Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Kim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio.
the address tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. And you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.org. And if we get comments or questions from you, we'll address them on the Internet show. And then if time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that occurred so you can listen back to the archives for your feedback. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. And the intention we have with this work is to be of service. And that's just a whole lot easier to do when people let us know what's working, what's not working, what seems relevant in our presentations, where they might be stuck, where they might be having greater successes, and all of that is welcome. And as I like to say, anytime during the show, feel free to press 1 on your phone. Call in at 563-999-3581. And press 1 on your phone, and I will wait to, to uh, until I feel like it's appropriate in the timing of the show, which might be nearly immediate when you press 1, or it might be when I finished a thought or we've heard somebody else speak. And um, please feel free to do that even if I'm in the middle of reading something or I seem to be on a roll in a monologue. Um, my commitment is to try to keep the, uh, the show going in a way that's beneficial and honor the, uh, the time of anybody who calls in and wants to offer a comment or a question, an answer or a testimonial. So, how can we be of support to you today? What's on your mind? 563-999-3581. We had our support group last night, and it was... Um, There was some intense processing going on. There were some concepts that we hadn't touched on for probably a few years in the support group. And that has to do with energies I experienced that might have been downloaded at a pre-verbal time or they might be cross-generational energy patterns that I'm you know, presented with in my life and have the opportunity to work through them both to my benefit and the benefit of anybody in my bloodline that may have in the past or currently or in future generations may have these energies in their system as well. So there was a worksheet done in the group last night that was quite powerful and um, clearly beneficial, and that's one of the things that we, one of the primary reasons we make the support groups available is to help support people in actually using these tools, whether it's the targeted journaling that Michael calls the mind shifter tool, or it's the direct application of the reality management worksheet tool, and um, if there's any way we can support you with any of those, we would be happy to do that, either in the direct 
processing or in the what we call framing of worksheets to be done at a later time. So we have plenty of time for comments or questions, answers or testimonials, or comments about the way of mastery reading that we've been doing that is um, in process. Hi, Dr. Ten. I'm calling in to say, I don't know about other people, but there's a really distracting static. I tried to text you, but I guess you're not looking at text. Um, All right. I will hang I up real in. quick and see if I can call back in and, and make a difference. Thank you for that input. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. John's house and be with you teaching. But I don't want to. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can, and the static's gone. I don't know if others had the problem, but it was on my end, so maybe it was on my end. It's good now. Yep, well, you weren't the only one. I got a text message from somebody else saying that... uh, there was static, and I might want to hang up and try again. Okay, good. All right. All right, we'll carry on. All right, I will carry on. Thank you for that info. You and my text message person. <laughs> so what is the uh, – I will go ahead and mute you since you Okay. don't have any other comment right now. You can listen in in the privacy of your own, wherever you are, out in your car, out for a walk, in your house. That's the great thing about this. You can call in from wherever you are and tap into the show. We even have people do that with the support group. They'll call in from their car. We've had people who are running small businesses and they're calling in and listening into the support group while they process that delivering of goods, etc. So the joys and the restrictions of technology. We had somebody in the support group last night who joined from Colorado, who would come in from finding out about us through the book club that Michael and Jeannie participate in. So you never know. Our job is to just be here and be available and let people find what they need as they can and trust that the right people are here all the time getting just what they need. And that, you know, in in very short order is exactly what we were reading about in the way of mastery yesterday. 
the idea that once you say in the privacy of your own heart or out loud to the sky, I want to go home, I want to know God, then everything, everything that comes to you is being directly sent to you of life, of the creator, of the unraveling process. And it asks these questions. What if everything that's happening is happening for me rather than to me? What if the very things I'm resisting are the very stepping stones to my reaching whatever destination I say I want? What if I could reach the what they're calling maturity in this path of just allowing everything to be just as it is? And when we left off with the reading yesterday was right before the the heading titled The Way of the Heart Calls You Home. And the last paragraph I read yesterday was The Way of the Heart is a way of cultivating the decision to become identified with the capital L light. That light, that light of awareness, that light of consciousness that can shine away all darkness. Now, it shines away all darkness not by fighting with it, but by recognizing it, embracing it as its own creation, and choosing again. The way of the heart is the way that I teach. And now we begin a focused in-depth study together that this way might become established within your holy mind. And the next heading is The Way of the Heart Calls You Home. And the text reads, Remember that the truth is true always. Is it not time, beloved friends, to truly step into ownership of your only true reality? The way of the heart does not know the word avoidance. It does not know deception, manipulation, or control. The way of the heart does not know blame. Although it watches these things arise as echoes of old patterns that have now been outgrown. The way of the heart learns to see them and to recognize them, like you might recognize certain kinds of clouds that pass through the sky. And then the way of the heart learns to turn the attention of the mind that a new choice might be made. This is why this is so strong an echo from The Course in Miracles, where it it says over and over again, choose again. Choose anew. Ask to be shown how to look at this situation in a different way. That's why Diedrich Wolzak, as he distilled his work out of The Course in Miracles, decided to title his work, Choose Again, Six Steps to Freedom. The text goes on and says, The way of the heart is the way that calls you home. And the call comes from that deep, 
part of your soul that is still unlike to the spirit, capital S spirit. That spirit which abides as Christ in the holy mind of the creator. And just an editing note here. Just as this book said in the beginning, they've changed a few words and a few um, punctuation things and added headings and and they've changed words so it's uh, instead of because it was originally given as an audio file so people were listening to this in an audio sense when they transcribed it they said as you're reading the words on this page etc rather than as you're hearing these words well an editing note for my reading of the way of mastery and the commentary is I will most often in my editing, on the fly as we go, substitute the word creator for the word God. Mostly because there's just so much emotional baggage most people have with that assigned to that word God, whether it was from a religious background or a non-religious background. The other thing that I actively edit on the fly is when it says that you love someone or you love yourself, I pull in Michael Rice's regulatory speech talking about love as an energy that is the energy you're made of, and it is possible for you to extend that energy to somebody else. It is possible for you to be that energy, but it is not possible for you to do loving to someone as a verb. And so those are the two primary edits that I do on the fly as I read this. So the book here reads that your, the way of the heart calls you home, and it calls you to that deep part of your own soul that is still just like the Spirit, capital S Spirit, that abides as Christ in the holy mind of God. And I read that as in the holy mind of creator or creation. The text goes on and says, Trust then that you are extending from your source as a sunbeam extends from the sun. Trust not the perceptions that you have cultivated in error. You are not alone on the way that you journey, and your journey is not apart from your brothers and sisters. This family cannot know separation. For once the call to awaken through this lineage has been acknowledged, though some bodies may not communicate in space and time, rest assured, communication through this lineage remains, and there is no way to avoid it. We begin now the way of the heart. It is time to step into the willingness to don the mantle of one who is committed to healing every obstacle to the presence of love that may yet remain secretly hidden in the depth of that part of your mind, that part of your mind that would struggle to be separate from God. And remember that you are truly, you are this light that can come to shine lovingly upon every aspect of darkness you have known. This paragraph echoes almost verbatim what it says in the way of mastery about you can't create love, you don't have to go search for love. What you need to do 
is search for, find, and remove every obstacle to the presence of your, to your awareness of the presence of love as your true nature. The text goes on and reads, Along the pathway of this course, you're going to learn how to shake hands with the devil and to do a little jig with him and recognize his face is your own. When you can dance with the darkness that you have created, that darkness is transformed into an angel. And light abides with light. So here's the word devil. You know, early on in this book, we're only on page nine of the actual text of this book. It says, you learn to dance with the devil and do a little jig with him and recognize that the devil's face is your own face. Now, from the ancient Aramaic language and the Kabor's manuscript studies that Dr. Michael Rice has done, and a team of Aramaic experts were translating and interpreting the Kabor's manuscript, which is the oldest known copy of the New Testament, directly from the ancient Aramaic into English. And from that work, Dr. Michael Rice says, the definition for the words they were using as the word they translated into something in Greek and something in Latin and something into English as the devil, the definition for that concept in the ancient Aramaic was the the deceiver want the the resistor one who misleads so this is about satan or satana from the ancient Aramaic meant a being cut off from itself to slide fall or cut off satana and we combine that with Dr. Michael Rice's team coming up with the, the, the phrase, the resistor, one who misleads. They're talking about a process inside of us, each one of us, where we create a dream of being separate from our creator, the people around us, the world we live in, and then we do this judgment thing, and then we don't want to acknowledge that we've created the tension, the anger, the fear, the sadness. That's the process that they're calling the devil or Satan. It's not about, and Michael Rice likes to say this phrase, it's not about a being in a red suit and a long tail and a pitchfork. There's no devil outside of the internal process within us that creates our pain, fear, and sadness, that creates our confusion, that resists the flow of life. That's the process that was labeled as Satan, Satana, or the devil back in the ancient Aramaic teachings. That's echoed in a number of indigenous tribes that when I was a senior in high school, I was reading a book of Native American anthology, and I created a, um, um, a banner for my religion class with this phrase, which was one of my favorite phrases 
from that book of Native American anthology, and the phrase was, I seek strength not to be better than my brother, but to fight my greatest enemy, myself. And in that Native American saying is the wisdom of where is the devil, where is Satan, where is the deceiver, where is the resistor, one who misleads. It's in my thought process. It's in my own errors of thought and perception. So the text goes on and says, Along the pathway of this course, you're going to learn how to shake hands with the devil, do a little jig with him, and recognize the devil's face is your own. When you can dance with the darkness that you have created, the darkness is transformed into an angel, and light abides with light. When you are able to bring the full focus of your conscious awareness to your true nature, you see only the light that you're made of, and you see each and every one of your brothers and sisters as part of that light, sparks of that one mind. And you'll see everything that comes out of your brother and sister, they'll talk about this later in this very work, as everything that comes, every behavior, every word that comes out of your brother and sister is either an extension of their awareness of their true nature as love and light and creation, or a cry for help and healing. So the book goes on. We will be giving you certain meditations and certain energetic practices to help you cultivate within you a quality of feeling that will allow you to recognize energies that do not serve you. These will be given in a way that transcends what your mind may choose to think of about these energies so that you can learn more and more to lead with the body, to lead with your feeling nature, not your intellect. Remember it said early on, as soon as it gave the first axiom, it said, the way of the heart is not the way of the intellect. Because my intellect wants to say, there's no way that I'm responsible for this tragedy in my life, or this loss in my life, or this pain in my life, or this lack of money in my life. And the first axiom says, nothing that I experience is caused by anything outside of me, and that I experience only the effects of my own choice. And my intellect immediately wants to rise up and say, that's garbage. I would never choose this physical ailment this body feeling so decrepit, this series of abusive relationships, these parents that weren't available for me, etc. So right on the same page, it jumps in and says, we know your intellect is going to argue with this, but the way of the heart is not the way of the intellect. The intellect was intended to be a very humble servant and a servant of the awakened heart. And so here it says, we're going to be giving you some meditations and practices that will be given to you in a way that transcends what your mind may choose to think about these different energies 
so that you can practice and strengthen your ability to learn more and more to lead with the body, to lead with your emotional sense, to lead with your feeling nature other than your intellect. text goes on and says your intellect does not know anything except the trivialities that you have shoved into it like you've shoved garbage into a garbage can the intellect can never bring the healing of the heart that is the atonement that is the awareness that all is one that the flow of life is just the flow of life that all of your negative thoughts about it are in error. So what's the point of the intellect? What can it be used for? The text answers that. It can only be utilized to argue against the insane perceptions that you are used to so that you might come to see that perhaps there's a greater good in giving up your insistence on treating the intellect as your God. And this goes right into what we've quoted many times. Einstein says, we've been given a precious gift, which is the intuitive mind, the feeling sense, the creativity, the 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 access to creativity and divine inspiration, that's a precious gift we've been given. And we've also been given a faithful servant. The faithful servant is the conscious logical mind, is the intellect as they talk about it in the way of mastery. We have two serious problems, at least on the Western front or Western culture. And that is, the first one is, this culture has almost completely forgotten about the precious gift, the intuitive mind, the connection to a creative flow, the, the ability to be divinely inspired, the ability to develop and strengthen insight and intuition and creativity. The second problem is that same culture has elevated what's supposed to be a faithful servant, just a useful tool, to the level of master. And people worship the intellect People worship their intellect and their beliefs derived from intellect so much that they're willing to kill other human bodies and invade countries and all the rest in an effort to argue for what their intellect tells them. taking a breath, hoping everyone can see the insanity in that process. So back to the text, the Way of Mastery, page 10. It says, therefore, indeed, beloved friends. And this, you know, this is going to sound weird coming after what I just talked about, about what we do with our intellect, and we have wars, and we bomb hospitals, and we... This is going to sound silly. And yet, right here in the very first lesson, they introduce the concept of you're here to learn, to dance, to sing, to play in the kingdom. Therefore, indeed, beloved 
friends. Dance, rejoice, and play often. Let these lessons bring up within you everything that's unworthy of the mind of Christ. Every thought of scarcity, every sense of unworthiness, and every fear, let them come up. Look at them, embrace them, accept them, trust them, allow them, and through that process, transmute them through your own awareness of your true nature as love and through your honesty. Accept where you are and do not pretend to be more advanced than you are. For the wisest of us are always the humblest. And humility, humbleness from the ancient Aramaic is defined as the ability to look for and see the highest and best in another and choose to cooperate only with that. What this means to me is the ability to see that we're all in this together, we're all the same, we're all connected, and comparison and evaluation is the death of all joy. As Guy Finley says it, the vast majority of your negative emotional and and intellectual experiences, mental and emotional pain, the vast majority of it is the bitter fruit of a comparative life. The text goes on. Be you therefore, beloved friends, at peace in all things. For we, in what you would call a disembodied state, those of us who are electing to participate with those of you who are asking to be helped through this pathway, we delight in joining with you. We delight in extending love to you. We delight in waiting on you to welcome yourself, your true self, your divine self, home. I would ask that you close your eyes for just a moment. Take a deep breath into the body and slowly let it go. As the breath leaves the body, hold the thought that there is nothing worth holding on to any longer that keeps your peace and your happiness at arm's length. Become committed, fully committed to the presence of happiness, even as you have been fully committed to unhappiness, limitation, and lack. Give your creator full permission to sweep the basement clean. There really is not anything down there worth defending or protecting. The basement in this area is every negative thought about yourself, everything that you push away in denial and suppression. The basement is everything that blocks you from, is full of all of the things that block you from a direct conscious awareness of the truth of your connection to the source of all being to the truth of your connection to your creator. There is nothing negative that is worth defending or fighting for or protecting. So again, that paragraph says, we'd ask you to close your eyes for just a moment, take a deep, 
comfortably full set of air into your lungs and slowly release it. And as the breath leaves the body, hold the thought that there's nothing that's worth holding on to any longer if it keeps you from consciously connecting to your awareness of your true nature as the extension of love in form, as a part of the flow of life energy. Give your creator in that moment permission to sweep away the resistance, the negativity, the attachments. There's nothing in your negativity and your attachments that's worth defending or protecting. And the last paragraph in this first lesson reads, it will come to pass that you will know the perfect peace of empty-headedness, of not knowingness. You will know what it means to be relieved of time and to be comforted by what is eternal. Never once let yourself think that you are alone. It is nonsense for you to think that I am not with you. You have asked, I have responded. We are in communication. That is the way it is. And that is the way it will be until the end of all illusion. Peace be unto you always. Amen. So that's the first lesson in the way of mastery. And the first axiom being given is nothing that you experience is caused by anything outside of you. You experience only the effects of your own choices. And the overlap here with what Michael Rice teaches, and he says it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all an inside job. And what Michael Singer teaches, there is this access to a life of total bliss, total peace, total comfort, no drama, no conflict, and in order for you to get there, you have to shift the focus of your awareness off of all of these things that you think you are, off of all of these ideas about separation, off of a, a commitment to the physical, just as in, in this book, in this le first lesson, it says, maybe you'd be willing to try living your life having released the attachment to your intellect as though it were a god, to see your intellect merely as a tool that your, your spirit, your soul, your consciousness can pick up and use from time to time but it is not your essence. It says in the second page, as you as a soul, the individual divine spark, as you begin to choose to withdraw the attention and the value you've placed on all things that you think you need, all things that you think you have to acquire or do or be or grow into, release your attachment to that as you learn to simplify the nature of your own consciousness, 
as you realize that you can surrender into something that seems beyond you and that you entertain this insane thought of trusting the invisible, as you do that, you come more and more to be less and less of what you thought you were. And as you become less and less of what you thought you were, conversely, you actually become more and more of what the Creator created you to be. What is that? The words they use for that here are the thought of perfect love expressing in form. You become a channel, a simple vehicle for the love of the Creator to shine forth on this planet. When you do that, no longer will you need to defend perceptions that you had identified with in error. You'll know when you've come to that awakening, for you'll be able to look on everything that you've created and experienced and all the reactions you've ever held within the mind, all perceptions, all judgments, all decisions that you've ever held for anyone or anything else, and as they arise in your mind you will still maintain your peace. That peace that they're alluding to that passes all understanding, that peace that they talk about near the end of most of these lessons where it says, peace be unto you always. The recognition that you arose from a deep, infinite peace. And that you can shift the focus of your conscious awareness back to that peace, which is the source of your being, any moment, any day, any time, in any situation. So we have been taught to think that we have to do all of this, we have to think about it, we have to force it, we have to make it happen. And the, the complexities of life, I mean, how many times have you heard from people that are very intelligent, who have a passion for learning, how many times have you heard that the more somebody learns, the more they begin to realize how little they know? I'm hoping that Everybody listening to this has heard that many times. The more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. Well, how could that be? That's not the ego speaking. That's a higher self recognizing because the egoic mind says, oh, when I learn this and I learn that, now I'm a pretty smart guy. Now I've got a doctorate. Now I've got a master's. Now I've got a bachelor's degree. Now I've got a certificate in training for this and that. And the ego thinks it really has something there and that it, it really is important. And yet the, the wisest of minds on the planet use that very same set of data points to wake up to the realization that the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. And in this work, 
beginning here in the first lesson, it says, please release any attachments you have to whatever it is you think you need and whatever you think you know. It starts that in the promise before we even get into the first lesson where the author, ostensibly Yeshua, says, if you come completely committed to awakening from the dream that you've dreamt of being separate from your creator, and you've dreamt that since the stars first began to appear in the heavens, and if your only desire is to be what your creator created you to be, then what you need to do is lay at the altar of your heart with every breath, put down everything you think you know and everything you think you need. Not only that, you've got to learn to look lovingly upon every place that fear has made a home in your mind, upon every negative judgment, upon everything that you've ever done that you now look back on and say, boy, that was bad or wrong or stupid or I have shame about that. You need to look lovingly on that as a part of your own creation and understand that was simply the way that you chose to use the same energy of love and creation that you use when you do something loving and positive and respectful. And it's just nothing to do with your true nature. Your true nature can't be chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. And if you do that, if you put away everything you think you know, you put down everything you think you need, and you learn to look lovingly upon everything you've done and every emotion you've ever had, the correction will come. Regardless of how you experience it, there might be all kinds of turmoil in your life. Michael Rice likes to talk about a healing crisis that happens. There have been a number of people calling the Internet show in the past few weeks talking about ex- intense healing crisis that go through that they go through once they do some worksheet process or some targeted journaling or some deep breath sessions. And they get in touch with and release their attachment to some activities, some experiences, some traumas in their past And what they have happen next is a burst of energy, a a greater sense of love and joy, and then within the next day or week or two, they feel like they got hit by a Mack truck. And they're feeling all of this intense negativity. That's what this is referring to in the promise, where it says, regardless of what it looks and feels like, and how you experience it, the correction will be coming. The atonement will bring be brought to you. And you're going to be moving toward the moment when all of your pain and fear and suffering will vanish like a wind that pushes the foam off of a wave. And it will reveal nothing but the clarity of the ocean beneath you. But as Dr. Michael Rice likes to talk about, you know, I have loaded a lot of negative thoughts and their correlated energies into my mind-body energy system and held on to them and fought for them and believed in them and defended them for decades. And they didn't feel good when I 
had that trauma or when I downloaded this belief that I'm too stupid or ugly or unworthy of love, etc. It never felt good. So when I release those attachments and I breathe and soften and I ask to be shown how to view this situation differently and that energy flows out of me, it's also not going to feel so good. But it's going to be leading to the time where I get in touch with the clarity of the ocean beneath me, where I get direct, easy access to my conscious awareness of my true nature as love, where I get the the lived experience of the fact that all events are neutral and that access to a bliss state is possible. So, that's all I'm going to read for today. 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1. Weigh in on this. Yay or nay? Making sense? Not making sense? The second hour today is going to be a recording. And since I'm going to be stopping the reading of the Way of Mastery here, um, if there isn't any comment or question forthcoming, I won't belabor the point and I will start the requested file, audio file, for the second hour from Michael and Jeannie. But we do have time for a comment or a question or an answer or a testimonial. 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 or type something in the chat room, we'll be happy to address it with the last seven or eight minutes that we have. Otherwise, we'll just start this second hour audio file. The book club worksheet from June... of 2022, June 9th apparently of 2022. All right, so no one has a hand up. I will thank you all for being here and listening in. Hopefully this is being well received and stirring up good stuff for you. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. This is your second hour. Yeah, um, so you want to give us a brief outline of what your worksheet's about, just so we've got an yeah, understanding of where we're going? I, I'm doing a, a sort of a daily lesson course at the moment, and I think today's one talks about that um, if you keep yourself invisible, then no one can see your needs, and if you, um, unless you're seen, you know, no, you can't tell people your needs and so on. So I realise that's a theme for me that I've. I keep myself invisible and um, it's I just would like to sort of work on that really because it's been a theme for a very long time and um, um, I would like to step into the light obviously I'm scared but I would like to be seen so that I can communicate um, you know just my talents and and genuinely share things right so is there anybody in your life in particular that this plays out with that we could do a specific worksheet oh, is there a person or, you know it might be a boss might be a lover yeah, I, might be... I think it could 
be in every aspect of life, but probably um, it's probably more difficult in 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 a working with things. Well, no, it could be in a personal relationship as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not sure. I think I've gone invisible again. <laughs> okay. Well, we we're here to support you being fully, completely visible. Okay. And, I think I hide from myself as well. Yeah. And, and notice that we're a safe space for you to do that. And Thank one of the you. reasons we hide is because usually we have a stored experience of it not being safe. Yes. And that's what you want to access and forgive. Right. So. I, do, I do know the experience. Tell me more about that. What does that mean for you? Um, I just, um, at primary school, I got sent out of the class every day, every day for about two years. And I just used to hide in the coats. And Because if you were seen outside of the classroom having been sent out, then if a teacher walked, yeah, a head teacher or somebody walked past, then you got really rollicked. It was it was not nice. So you just hid. Okay. Um, and, yeah. And I just, I'll just do that, really. That's a bit of a scene okay. for me. Sounds like good work, Chief. So it sounds like then the core of this issue is the desire for safety. Yes, that sounds want to be safe. Okay. So you put your name in number 1A and okay. acknowledge yourself as love. So I who am love am feeling. Okay. So what are the feelings that come with this? Um, you know, here I am hiding in the among the coats, and if I'm seen, I'm going to be well. Probably, I've told off, really judged. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the feeling on that? Uh, I'm very much scared. Yeah, and ashamed. Okay, um, really, shame. Okay, so if there's fear and there's shame, mm. that would be two different worksheets. Yes. And so let's, seeing as how fear came first, let's start with the fear one, and I'll suggest that you plan to do, you know, after we complete this, do another worksheet on exactly the same thing, situation okay. and do that on shame. Okay. That will be a whole different, you know, in order for the mind, when when you think of, how amazing it is that this mind is so powerful. You know, I'm sitting in a room right now where my brain shows me a clock sitting over there. It shows me a light. It shows me a television set up in the corner. It shows me a computer. And, and like, it's really got me, like, I could easily believe that I'm seeing all those things out there as opposed to, there's enough data about those things firing in me that I recognize my mind is generating literally that whole world that I see. In yes. order for that to happen, there's a huge amount of data going on under the surface to produce that. Mm. And so what we're going to do is thread by thread. And the, and the data is based in thought. The data is based in mind energy. It's interesting. If you go to the opening words in the book of John, and we'll talk about the, the ancient scriptures here, and they're presented to us as something religious, 
my background's in electronics, a size study in physics. And as a physician, when I first came in touch with the Aramaic translations of these words, what struck me is this has got anything to do with theology. This is just how the mind works. This is how physiology works. This is how energy systems work. This is about physics and physiology and psychology and genetics. So getting to the reality of it. So if you, if you listen to the opening words in the book of John that the, the churchianity folks told us says, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh, you go, what, what does that even mean? If you go to the Aramaic, what it says is in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. Literally, when I think of thought, what, this, what the cell biologists are now showing us, when I think of thought, that thought becomes a molecule inside of my energy field. That molecule circulates around in my structure until it finds a receptor site with a cell that matches. When it lands on that cell, it inserts itself inside of the cell energetically. And if we were looking from inside the cell, what we would see when that neuropeptide lands on the receptor site and inserts itself, what we'd see coming into the cell would be what we call chemistry. Now, it's all energy, but it's, this is mind energy literally showing up on what we call a physiological level as chemistry. And so not only is it becoming what we call the chemistry in our structure, but it's becoming the construct. It turns it into the constructs that we see. So what we're going to do thread by thread is learn to develop the skill of being able to access that neuropeptide that perhaps has been there for 10 generations or perhaps happened to me when I was seven and in the cloakroom or I stepped out for the first time and somebody raged at me or whatever, what we're looking to do is to be able to access that mind energy, be able to decode it, and throw it away. So that literally that chemistry of fear that's in the cell has been removed. That's forgiveness. And so each emotion is reflective of a different thread in the perceptual constructs that we have. So we're going to just pick one at a time. In this case, we're going to use the fear thread. Okay. And so that would be the thought. So now I'm going to remember to do that at next, that other emotion or any other emotion, a separate worksheet. Okay. And then we'll just step into hostility and fear are from internal corrupt data. So, when my mind is generating a perceptual construct that is accurate about what's happening in the actual world, you know, that Harvard research I talked about, 10,000 brain cells are firing, 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity happening in the brain, nine bits of data go into perception. It's been estimated in that same time frame, which is about a 25th of a second, there are perhaps as many as 20 trillion bits of data in the actual world. So there's actuality, what's actually going on, and then there's my perceptual construct, my reality. And whenever the mind is using any form of hostility or fear, that means that my construct, the world that I'm seeing, is built out of data that's been corrupted. Yes. Now, if you're working on your computer 
and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're doing a calculation or whatever, and you get a warning, corrupt data, what just happened? Nothing your computer is telling you is going to be reliable. I'd offer that when hostility or fear is moving, nothing your mind is telling you is going to be reliable, and you want to collapse that. Now, we live in a culture that says, oh, you know, a little rage, a little fear never hurt anybody. Well, my offering is it's the only thing that could ever possibly kill us, and it's time for us to clean it up. So here's how you clean it up. Okay. So hostility and fear, if you're following along the worksheet, now we're down below step 1B, are from internal corrupt data and indicate my use of sustained incoherence to build this disturbing internal construct. So here I've got this construct in my mind that's painful to me. There's a psychologist, or pardon me, a uh, um, physicist named David Bohm who coined this term sustained incoherence. David Bohm was a cohort of uh, Einstein's. He actually worked in Einstein's laboratory. He actually worked on doing some of the math with which they developed the atomic bomb. He was a genius in many realms, and he also worked in the realm of psychological research. And in essence, here's David Bohm's definition of sustained incoherence. I deny that the thoughts that are corrupt in me are producing my pain. I've built a picture in my mind that my pain's caused by somebody else. I refuse to own that my pain is caused by my own thinking. So I'm going to keep thinking that way all the while blaming everybody else. That's David Bohm's basic definition of sustained incoherence. And most of the world's living in sustained incoherence. Whenever you rely on your mind's hostility or fear constructs, you're in sustained incoherence. And it's nuts to live there. But, you know, most of the world is nuts. I mean, just take a look at what's going on. How crazy can it get? It's yeah. time for us to individually and collectively clean it up. Mm. So my denial causes my CBM. What is CBM? If carbon you were to ask memory. carbon-based memory, okay, you got that one. But for everybody else who's listening, Carbon-based memory, if you asked a modern-day physicist to check out your body and, and tell you what it's made of, the base element in your structure is carbon. And that's where memory is stored. And mm. there's no energy that passes through this energy system that isn't stored in this carbon-based memory system. Okay? Yeah. So, so here we are stuck in a construct out of carbon-based memory and that goes against us living out of our true nature is love. The truth about each of us, you know, if you hold a newborn child and tap into their essence, the essence of human life is love. But if we've been loaded with all of this in sustained incoherence and this generational insanity, we don't think of ourselves as love. And they sure didn't give us messages when they told us to go to the courtroom that we were love. Or when we stepped out that, you know, we were given insane ideas. And so what needs to happen is we each need to face that world of sustained incoherence in us and begin to clean it up. And that means cleaning up carbon-based memory, literally cleaning up on an atomic level the energetic patterns that are stored within the structure. And when I live in denial, and in this work, there's a very specific definition of denial. And denial is that either thinking or speaking as though something outside of me 
is the cause of what's moving inside of me. So when I say Bill, mad is moving inside of me, Bill made me mad. I'm now telling, I'm now living in denial. I'm telling my mind it's not allowed to show me the truth that this is my mad, because if I own it, I could throw it away. But if it's Bill's and caused by Bill, of course I can't. So my denial causes my carbon-based memory to displace my experience of myself as my essence, love, and tells me the lie that this emotion, my emotions are caused by my trigger. Yeah. Now, you notice that word trigger is underlined and in bold. And in yeah. italics. Must be something important about it. Most everybody calls the triggers in their lives the cause. And so they live in a totally false construct driven by the goals based on believing that cause is out there. What we're looking to do is to step in here to clean that up, which is inside of us. So that denial blocks my awareness of myself as love and tells me the lie that my emotions are caused by somebody else. So now I'm going to look at what the story is I'm telling myself based in the first parts of number one. So my story, my reality is that your object of attention would be the teachers or a specific teacher involved? Um, I, um, I think it sort of became everything. I think I think in the end I took it on board and I, I did it for them. You know, but 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 we don't now we're switching issues. We're switching out of there's a specific emotion that I'm feeling. I mean, hiding out in the cloakroom and I've got this fear. And who what who am I telling the story about? Who's the object of attention? If I move from this specific to a general, well, you know, it's kind of like, well, like this and this and this. Mm. I just shifted out of the piece of work that I'm heading toward. So I want to stay on track with this specific situation. So is there a specific teacher that was involved in the scenario? Yeah, there was, yeah. Okay, let's put her name or his name in. It was in his name. Way. His name's Mr. Bolger. Okay. So number one C would be Mr. Bolger. Yes. And if you were to describe what happened, how would you describe that? Um so my I'm story, my reality un- is that Mr. Bolger, yeah, well, found me out notice there. What's hap- yeah. Notice what's happening with your breath right now. Yeah, it's difficult to speak. I'm hiding again. Yeah. Well, what happens is the the movement of breath is what moves mind energy in the system, and there's something that I don't want to look at and don't want to deal with. And you'll notice at the end of this sentence, there's a sentence and several other sentences in the worksheet. There's a reminder to breathe. Because when I shut my breath down, that's how I keep that stuff hidden. Literally, that's how I create an unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So we want you to breathe. And tell me the story about Mr. Folger did. Um, yeah, he found me in the corridor, took me into the classroom, and then, and then spoke about it. Uh, so called you up in, on the carpet, so to speak? Yeah, in front of everybody, just sort of, you know liar whatever all sorts of accusations uh, because I, I just got sent out for talking or being busy or just not being naughty right but anyway there we go but it happened every day every day every day get out mm. two two hours two and a half hours every day 
Take a big breath. Let your shoulders move on that one. Ah, yeah, let it open. Hmm. Time for you to stop carrying that load of energy around. Yeah. Time for forgiveness here. Okay, so then just jot that in and, and breathe. And then you'll notice that a, a little hand points over to the right. Yeah. Now, all my life, my mind's been telling me that, you know, he was the problem. But then if I remind myself, if they, if Mr. Folger is the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? Now, clearly in that situation, Mr. Folger had a problem. I mean, wasn't a very nice guy. wasn't a very conscious guy. But today, decades later, I'm carrying around pain. I want to recognize that this is mine and it's about me. It's not about him. He's got his own work to do. Yes. Okay. So then let's step into number one D. The truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So here I am in fear. What you want to do here is you want to identify the specific mind energy that you use to create this fear. And so the thought, and again, as with the emotions, you use a separate worksheet for each one, specifically related to the fear that you identified in number 1B, what's the thought that causes this fear in you? When you think this thought, it goes mm. to fear. Being told off. Okay, so I'm going to be told off. Mm. Told off, embarrassed, centered mm. out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, judged. Judged. Okay. Mm. That's probably the word. There's the one with the energy. Mm. So I'm going to be judged. Mm. And then number one E, is there a punishment thought toward Mr. Folger? Um. If you went back that first time and you're standing there, what would you, if you'd have had the power what would you as a young girl have said or done? You know, there are no consequences. You just, you're there. You, you, you got permission would, to do whatever. Yeah. I would like what to say that that's not true. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah. But with all that fear going on and the way you've been embarrassed, mm -hmm. is there something maybe a little more that you might want to do to him? Mm -hmm. Breathe. Like, I can easily imagine if that were me, that I might even be wanting to kick him in a certain part of the anatomy. <laughs> Punishment. Well, I perhaps. was pretty powerless. It was pretty awful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in he, that... He, he, he was quite scary. He used to um, cane children as well. Mm. Yeah. So, and I so watched him do that, too, to some other child. He was really quite a beast. Yeah. So if you'd have been, had the power at that time, what would you have done to that beast? Oh, I've taken that stick, <laughs> hit him with a stick. And you've used it. Okay. So there's oh, your punishment thought. That feels very good to say that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, you're trying to move the energy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're acknowledging a part of yourself you've been hiding from yourself. And that yeah. always feels good. Yeah. So I wanted to punish Mr. Folger by picking that stick up and using it on him. Yes. Okay, and then on yourself, what's was there a punishment thought toward yourself? Um, Notice what's happening with your breath. I know. 
and shut this it's, down. I know, so take a I breath. know. You ask me the questions and I go all blank uh, yeah. and because I'm hiding again. I'm going invisible. And There's your punishment thought, I'd suspect, toward yourself, is I have to just be invisible. Yes. I'm going to disappear. Yes. So that's what I'd put there for your punishment thought toward okay. yourself. Okay. And then once again, you'll see that hand points to a little box. And the box, you know, most often the traumas that we hold are instilled in the mind and accompanied by words. Yes. So verbal release can be a powerful way. You know, words are representative of mind energy. Verbal release can be a powerful way of starting to cause that energy that's perhaps been held for decades to exit carbon-based memory. So this little box introduces the idea of verbal release. I want to start to tap into the presence of love in me and, and be in a willingness space to take all of this accumulated energy. And what tends to happen when we have an experience, you know, at the age of four, is we tend to play that out. We'll see at the end here. We tend to play that out over and over and over and over and over again our whole lives. Yes. And the whole idea of this forgiveness process is to put an end to that cycle. Especially, yes. especially the self-punishment. I still do that. I work at a school and I'm, I, I, you know, I, uh, I always assume if the head wants to speak to me, I'm going to get told off. Um, I, I always feel judged by my peers for not being good at my job. You know, it's it's it still carries on. And even last night, a friend wanted to ch chat uh, about their problem, but I thought I was going to get told off. So, um, yeah. so it's developed an expectation, yeah, a structure where there's an expectation of being abused. Mm. Yeah. So what I'm going to suggest you do when we finish this, or, or once the uh, video is available, is you go back. And you start making notes. There's a there's a, a worksheet thing that we call a hydra. Hmm. And if you remember in Greek philosophy, the hydra was the creature that when you cut her head off, a dozen other heads grew out of the stump where you cut the head off. Hmm. And what you just shared with us is this is a hydra worksheet for you. You yes. just shared two or three places where it's shown up in your life. So these would be good worksheets for you to do. So I'd suggest you sit down and rewatch this video. We'll stay focused on this worksheet, but you rewatch this video and go through each time. The, do a worksheet on what happened with last night with that coworker and how your mind set it up. Do you know worksheets on how you've been treated at school as an adult. And they'd each be the hydro worksheets that help you to clear this whole thing up. Did it? Uh, well, I did write it down on paper, but then um, okay. I couldn't That's keep good. up with it all. Um, so first of all, it's yourself. Yes. I, I and share. Use your name. I release and surrender myself. My name. I, and use your name. I release and surrender myself, Sarah, to love. To love. And then the emotion was fear. And I release and surrender fear to love. Yeah. And then number one C was Mr. Bolger. Oh, Mr. Bolger, yeah. I release Bolger. and surrender Mr. Bolger to love. Okay. And I release and surrender the story. I release and surrender the story to love. Well, be, be more specific. You know, repeat what oh. the story was, what oh, you wrote yeah. in there. Okay. I release and surrender um, 
being collared in the in the cloakroom and um, told off, I released that to love. Yeah, and being brought up in front of the classroom and and humiliated. Yeah, really humiliating. Yeah, yeah. But so that. Yeah. I'm going to let that humiliation go. Um, yeah, release and surrender that humiliation. Because yeah. notice that your mind's still playing out that humiliation on yourself. And mm-hmm. notice, just, this is another piece of the puzzle. It, it moves in a different direction. In our codependence work, we introduce a concept of what we call a power person. Mm-hmm. And three things happen to develop a power person dynamic. And when these three things happen simultaneously, and it's usually a child, and it's oftentimes with an adult or an authority figure, but can also happen in adulthood. But the three things that happen is that, one, the person who we're going to identify as the power person, we're going to talk about instilling a power person dynamic in our minds. The person who's going to be the power person, number one, is not functioning as love, has more power over my life than I do, and I perceive it as survival physical or psychological survival, maybe even financial survival. They can be the dynamics. So when those three things happen, they got more power than I do, they're not functioning as love, and I perceive it as survival. What happens is, as an energy field, when you realize this body-mind unit is an energy field, the energy field opens wide, and it becomes like a sponge, and it literally just sucks in every energy from the environment. Literally every mental energy, every emotional energy, everything that's going on is is literally just taken in with no censoring. In the future, that becomes the control of our behavior. And I'd offer that this power person dynamic is what runs the world. And until we confront it, understand it and work through it in ourselves, it will run virtually every moment of our lives. And here's how it runs it. Once a power person dynamic is instilled, and it sounds like that was a moment for you where that was instilled, there are only three behaviors that we'll do for the rest of our lives. And they'll be based on that power person dynamic. Now, this thing with Mr. Bulger might have been a reflection of something earlier with perhaps a parent. I don't know. Yes. But it really doesn't matter. But this is the mm-hmm. dynamic. And the, the behaviors that we'll do will be controlled by the level of stress that we're under. When there's no stress, you know, there's a thing in the mind. We do a course called Laws of Living, and we identify what we call the automatic decision system. When the automatic decision kick, system kicks in and there's no stress, I'll do whatever I did to get along with my power person. When stress starts to build, I'll move out of doing what I did to get along with them, and I'll do what I did to resist and survive with them. When I become ultra-stressed, I'll do what my power person did to me that I hated the most. Runs the world. Mm -hmm. And so I ask you the question, have you ever found yourself, when you're under stress, humiliating people? Um. No, I don't think so. I don't think I turn it outward and do it to other people. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to think about that one because obviously I have to do. I do have to uh, uh, um, do classroom management as well because I work at a school. Right. Um, so do you ever find yourself 
using any humiliation tactics to keep control in the classroom, which means when I feel like I need to be in control is when I'm under stress. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's culture, culturally acceptable. We say we talk about the children's silly behaviour, yes, silly behaviour. You know, at first I found that quite offensive when I first started at the school, but because we all identify silly behaviour as silly, um, I now it's speak about silly behaviour. But at first I found it quite uh, because obviously I was would have been called silly. Um, well, it's stupid and all sorts of words like that. I never called a child stupid, but uh, but we do commonly talk about silly behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe but, you'll be the one that changes the norm in that whole system and honors children more because every behavior a, children do, a child does is done in order to accomplish a goal. And when we can support the child and their behaviors that we consider to be silly or abhorrent or unacceptable, the child is doing them for a valid purpose. And yeah. when we can validate the child and open the space of safety and bring love present, then they can forgive what's in them. That which is in them can be removed, and they'll step up to the plate and become totally different beings. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But it's about creating that space of safety and healing. And most of us don't ever look at these mm. power person dynamics because when they happened, it wasn't safe to look or deal with it. I, I so, think I think the, the behavior I do to other people is to ignore them and zone them out. So I make them invisible um, if I'm upset with them. I'll avoid so notice, them. Yeah. So, so notice that in that whole situation, you mm. what you did to yourself was become invisible in that power person dynamic. The thing that you hated the most was what he did that brought you to invisibility, and now you're treating other people as though they're invisible. Yes, yes. As opposed to, you know, what what somebody who's in pain really needs is somebody to be there with them. Yes. And somebody is, that, that's a human being that's, that yes. is the active presence of love and, and is able to interact with them and hold the space that supports them in working through whatever's going on. I mean, that's the thing that's so desperately needed in our culture. And I don't care whether it's, you know, the guy who was just the president of the United States. You know, I wouldn't want to live in that man's body. When I listen to the language, the words, the, the, the things that he does, I think of, oh, my God, that man is in so much pain. And he doesn't have anywhere where he can open that up and heal. And so he just keeps carrying on the power person dynamic in his life. And that's what virtually everybody's doing. And what we need are people who are empowered enough to be able to be the space and support the cleaning up of this mass insanity that's running our culture. So mm. starting with the kids, a powerful place to do it. Mm. Okay. Cool. Sweet. All right. So let's move on to number two. Oh, okay. So what I'm going to do now So I've done that verbal release. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to acknowledge that if my mind's lying to me, I'm more interested in the truth than my mind's lie. And so in in doing that, I'm ready to embrace everything that's in me, whether it's my own experience or generational patterns. I'm willing to embrace those things and begin to move through it. So number two starts out with an acknowledgement of that. Mm. And so I choose to love truth. 
And actually, you could scratch that word love and change it to honor truth. That's a, a change we've made in the worksheet that should really be honor. I choose to honor truth and willingly face and process out all disease-producing energies for or from all of my relations or all of my generations. And I actually kind of took that out of the Native American um, teachings on, on healing, and they have a phrase, you know, if a, a Native American a person is going into a sweat lodge or a healing ceremony, they'll stop at the door of the sweat and they'll say, Matakwiasan, and Matakwiasan means for all of my relations. That I realize I'm not doing this healing process just for me, but as I enter into this sweat, I'm willing to take on the burdens from all of my generations and, and literally energetically become the space. Right now, there's some processing happening for me. If you were to look at, if you can see it on the camera, I don't know if you can, but the hair on my arms and my legs is standing up because for me, this is reaching a whole new level of, of the recognition of the willingness that I'm willing to, and we can all take on the energetic traumas of our generations mm. and be the space for healing that. Mm. Because there's so many generations that went before us that didn't have a clue what to do about it. So, so with sincerity, I join you in saying that I'm willing to take on these generational patterns. Yes. And then number 1B, I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Yes. So when I realize that this energy system has been in development for thousands of generations, when a, 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 a disintegrative quality of energy came into my structure, it created symptoms. And if I've adapted and shut that down and I have my fifth of scotch so I don't have to look at it and I do my little bit of rage or trauma and I don't have to look at those things, I hide that from myself. Now I'm ready to reverse the flow of energy. Instead of pouring trauma in and trying to keep it shut down, I'm willing to embrace it. I'm willing to let it open and move on every level that it can open and move. And there are basically three levels on which healing happens. And this is one of the reasons why literally our whole Western world has become drugged because we don't want to deal with what's in here. And the drugs are used to shut those things down. So now I want to open and, and literally visualize my whole energy field right down to my genes being able to open. And I'm willing to embrace and go through those energies. And on a physical level, Healing looks like any kind of physical symptom you've ever had and low energy. On a mental level, it looks like any kind of negative thought you've ever had and confusion. On an emotional level, it looks like any kind of negative feeling you've ever had and depression. So they're the kinds of things, and that's what I was talking about with the gentleman earlier in his question of stepping, dropping into those things. Am I willing to open my field and embrace and move through those things? Mm, yes. And so... This is just a request that you acknowledge that and are step into willingness. Okay. Um, I, Sarah, am willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Good. Okay. Now, number three. 
So I'm, I'm in the space of willingness. Now I want to look at what the key driver is for this pain perception. So my desire, the constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception is that I want number one, see my trigger too. So if you were to go back, you're standing there at the front of the room, Mr. Bolger's doing his thing. If you were to be able to just put a halt on that whole scene and say, Mr. Bolger, right now, what I'd really like from you is, what would that be? Go back and be that young child. Teach me, to teach me, because I couldn't yeah. read. <laughs> I just got sent out all the time. Yeah. Okay. So then, so 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 now this is the goal mm. that drives perception. So in essence, what I hear is that what you were looking for was support mm. rather than rejection and, uh, and mm. criticism. Yes. So each time you do a worksheet, you want to look at, What's the constructive result? You can't, a worksheet won't work with what you don't want. It's like, you know, most people, if they thought of that, would say, well, Mr. Bolger, I don't ever want you to do this to me again. That won't get you there. It's, Mr. Bolger, what I really need, what I really want is for you to teach me and, and support me in what needs to happen. And think of those kids in school that they say are silly. You know what they're asking for? Attention. Mm. Support and teaching. Mm. Yeah, exactly the same thing. So then write that in number six or number uh, three. Yes. Construct a result and make sure you breathe. Which, which there's two gaps. Um, something might trigger something. So you're in number three, my mm. desire, the constructive oh, yes. result. It should oh, yeah, just be one blank one. Yeah, I didn't read the whole sentence. My desire, the constructive result, the exact goal of the drives of my pain perception is that Mr. Bolger, uh, my trigger. I, I'm confused now, sorry. Okay. So Mr. Bolger is your trigger. Mm-hmm. And what's the cons- what is that I want from him? I wanted support oh, and caring. Yeah, support. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, one one time he he, uh, told me off for having a reading age of eight when I was thinking, well, just help me. Um, Don't tell me off for it. It's not my fault. What are you here for? You're the teacher. Help me. I mean, tell me off for being naughty, but don't tell me off for not being able to read. So how many times those children that your culture has taught you to think about is silly that's really what they're asking for. That's really they're asking they're for support. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then that would be your answer. That would be the goal. Yes. That's cool. the core of this worksheet. Yes. Okay. Now, before we step into doing what it takes to can't collapse the pained perception here, what I want to do is tap into and bring forward the presence of active love. Okay. If you hold a newborn child and you tap into the essence of that newborn, you'll notice that the newborn is love. And if you ask yourself the question when you're holding the newborn, 
Is the newborn loving me? You have to say, no, the newborn isn't loving me. The newborn is love. That's the essence of that newborn. And then recognize that's the essence of you and I. Mm -hmm. That's what each of us are. That's the truth of us. So I want to bring that essence forward here in number three. So I choose love, my essence, which then stirs the love and everyone involved. Yes. If I get lost in my pain and trauma through resonance, literally, you know, there's a camera called the Delaware camera that that literally can take a picture of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. If I'm in my trauma, what tends to happen? You know, if I'm a teacher who's been traumatized as a kid and I stand in front of a classroom and this child's in trauma, I'm in trauma, then I'm going to tend to resonate more of that in the child. And what I want to do is I want to heal those dynamics in myself so that I can stand as a space of active love. And, and I like to tell a story you'll see at the end of that sentence there is the, the rose and the butterfly. It's mm. illustrative of the point. Let's imagine that we have, we give a, the rose and the butterfly an ego. They inter, we introduce them. They meet. They fall in love. They have this wonderful time together. And one day the butterfly up and flies away. What happens to the rose when it uproots itself to give chase? It will die. It dies. Why does it die? It dies because it made something more important than being connected to its source. Yes, that's nice. Your source, my source, is love. Mm -hmm. If we make anything else more important, then we uproot ourselves from the truth of who we are, and we live in a whole false construct of self. If you go back to the Aramaic language, you hear this man Yeshua saying, in order for you to live, you've got to die. That false self that we've identified with from our disconnected state, uprooted from love. We've created this false self. Oh, I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'm good enough. All these crazy things. And there's no connection to the truth of who we are. So you want to start to tap in more and more and cultivate your relationship with yourself as active love. Yes. So the objective of this step three is to bring love present into the process, or step four, pardon me. And then in step five, now we're going to do the action steps. 5A, and and basically this is kind of a review of the whole process. When upset, my perception, my mind's construct, is built of corrupt data driven by my goal, number three, the goal to be cared for by Mr. Folger. It is a limiting structure constructed from a max of nine bits of data out of 10,000 brain cells firing. By canceling my goal, my replicate mind, and that's this carbon-based memory system can only replicate what's in it, my replicate mind's reality collapses. So by canceling the goal, my replicate mind's construct collapses and gives me direct contact with the underlying denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory, which projects and blames others for its content. So here's the action step. Back, I'm tapping into the presence of love. The more powerfully love is present, the deeper the internal processing will go. While holding love conscious, active, and present, I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for Mr. Bolger to teach, support, and hold love for me. 
Yes. And breathe. And and notice that you've drawn yourself a whole community of people that are right here holding you in that space and supporting you in this process that you're doing. Yes. Nice work. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, thank you. You must have really been ready for this. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, I think I am. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So I'm I'm canceling that goal. Yeah. And then there's a second part to it. When you realize that, you know, this nine-bit construct, underlying it might literally be, I mean, to, to really develop, you know, a picture my mind constructs of all this world that I think is out there that's really a construct from in here, some mass, maybe trillions of bits of data. And I have what what we metaphorically call a nine-bit mind, you know, the nine bits of data going on here. How long is it going to take me to process, process through these trillions of bits of data, doing it nine bits at a time? It's like, good luck, it's never going to happen. Well, 2,000 years ago, Yeshua taught that inside of us, there was a an elemental force, an elemental force that was feminine in nature, that if we invited it into activity, in, a, in our modern language, we would maybe call it the super processor. So, but literally, each one of us inside of us, there's this capacity, there's this elemental force, in Aramaic it was called Ruka de Kudsha, it's feminine, and by definition, and you'll see the definitions down at the bottom of the page, look at Ruka de Kudja, she who undoes the effects of my errors and teaches me the truth. So when I'm ready to collapse this construct that I've been holding on to tightly because I think it's survival and I think it's who I am, when I'm ready to let it go and I'm ready to invite this elemental force into activity, what I'll find is there's an energy that starts to move in me that is not of my human nature that is not something I can even comprehend. But if I'm willing to move, if I'm willing to be with it, it literally will begin to undo these unconscious structures. And if I'm in a space of listening, it will start to instruct me. That's Ruka de Kutcha in Aramaic. Yeah. There's, there's a power in us literally that energetically has contact with the whole world. And if we'll let ourselves be in touch with it, it's been called intuition. If we'll let ourselves be in touch with it, it will explain anything and everything to us. So here's the invitation. You're, you're inviting that power to go to work in you in step number 5B. Yes. So I invite, and whatever term you would use, the, the Greek scriptures translated these words, Ruka de Kutcha is the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have anything to do with some disembodied spirit being. It literally is a feminine elemental force inside of us that is never going to violate our free will. We can keep it shut away or we can invite it into activity and literally you will begin to be taught things that are so specific it will boggle your mind. Yeah. So this is a space to invite Ruka into activity. And there's a blank there. You'll see the Aramaic, Ruka de Kutcha. Down below, mm-hmm. you can see the definition. But I usually, when I do a worksheet, I just short form this to I invite Ruka. And there's several things we suggest you invite that elemental force in you to do. One, to incline me toward healing. 
Yeah. Like most people, like I'm in my drama and trauma, and that's how I win. And don't talk to me about that healing stuff. I need this rage to protect me. Well, I'm shifting that. I want I want support from underneath to incline my mind toward healing, to restore me to my newborn essence, love. And you'll see if a hand points over to Rachma, that when that's restored, there's a filter in the frontal lobes of the brain that opens up and literally is the gateway that our created essence love enters this human form. So I'm asking for support in being restored to that newborn essence, which is love. I'm being asked to heal my denial and my capacity to generate the emotion. If you go up to number one, one B, it was fear. You want to transfer that down here. I'm, I'm going to ask to be, have, to be empowered to free myself of even the capacity to generate fear, no matter what happens in my world. Fear narrows the perceptual constructs of the mind and leaves us in corrupt data. So I'm asking for help to eradicate that from my life and from my bloodline. And then asking, I ask to help an open, direct, conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory. So there's several things, and, and you know, it's, it's a big mouthful the first time you do it, but there's several things over time that you'll see that you, you'll start to get assistance. And these things just starting to shift like, gee, I didn't even do anything, and, and here's this change. And that's the power of this worksheet process. So how about just reading through that? I invite, okay. and, you know, it, it, you know in say, for instance, AA groups, it's called the higher power. Yeah. Whatever term you have for it. Uh, well, I'll have a go with Ruka. Um, okay. I invite Ruka Dakuta. Um, sorry, I've got to turn the pace. Um, to incline me towards healing, to restore my... Um, what's a Rachma filter? Um, and my gateway to the frontal lobes to maintain love, my newborn essence, heal my denial and capacity to generate the emotion of fear. Okay. And help me to open. And, oh, and help me to open a direct conscious relationship. Um, oh, sorry. Um, and with and gently remove the denied disassociated dissociated 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 um, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. Now, the first time you do it, that's a big mouthful. Once you get used yeah. to it, it'll, it'll roll yeah. pretty easily. So, so you've done two things now. I've canceled yeah. my goal, Mr. Bolger, to be of support and to be caring. And now I'm asking to clean up all the internal dynamics that I've created in my life around this. And let yourself take a breath and just be with that. And as you do, how do you feel? Yeah, I do feel uh, lighter. Lighter, okay. So then in the next step, I now feel. I now feel lighter. lighter. And then when I think back to this situation in number Mm. one with Mm. Mr. Bulger, Mm. how does that look to me now? Um, I do feel bigger and taller and more able and more, 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 more visible. Awesome. Mm. Nice shift. Mm. So go ahead and make a note of that. That's powerful. Yes. Yes. I might redo the worksheet when I watch back the, 
the thingy, mm-hmm. the replay, because sure. I, I've sort of written things down in a weird way and um, I can't, it's much more difficult to write things when you're on the call than when you're watching. Well, and, and you're in one of your issues. Here you are on the spot. Yeah, so the, yeah on the, the spot. issue that you're working on is here you are the one that's doing this whole process uh, yeah, for yeah. everybody and, uh, yeah. you know, being out there. So, so I understand mm. that. And that's a nice shift to get, especially, you know, being right out there on the spot with that being your issue. That's really powerful. Yeah. I like that, that your, your language was so clear. It's like, I feel bigger. Mm. You move beyond the perceptions of a small child into mm. the perception of an adult, into a different construct. And that's, yes. that's life-changing. Yes. Nice. Cool. Thank you. Okay. And, uh, and then the next step, seeing how now you're, you're looking at that particular goal yes. and how it's impacted your life. Yes. You want to look at a time when you perhaps have violated that goal, when someone else wanted your love and support, and instead you did something different. So the the last well, that's part. That's probably my mum then, probably not being supportive to my mum while she's okay. had all her operations. Okay. So I'm going to write that down then, when I've not fulfilled the goal of being supportive. And that's been with mom. And and as you say that, what feeling comes with that? Um, oops, sorry. Well, breathe. It, yeah, it is a little bit anger as well. Uh, like um, I'm withholding it on purpose uh, to be a bit punishing, really. Yeah. Because she 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 could have done something about it, uh, but she never did either. Mm. So, so I think I'll get my own back. <laughs> yeah. So here's your Hydra. So this I'd offer is a night, your, one of your next worksheets. Yeah. You do one on mom. Yeah. And how you wanted her to do something and she didn't. That'll be the next one to do. Okay. That'll be another piece of the puzzle. And then the final step, step seven. A principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I want to one tap into gratitude as Yinka has shared with us in the opening, you know, when the groups get together to share something we're grateful for. There's been a lot of research done on the healing power of gratitude. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to heal. I choose truth and perfect love. We, we spoke about it in step two. I want to honor truth. Once again, I'm reminding myself that, Whatever my constructs are, if they're not based in love, it's a lie. It's corrupt data. And I'm willing to go for the truth. I'm willing to always be in the flow of love through me. In fact, you know, the best definition that I've been able to come up with in 50 years of doing, developing this work is that life is love flowing through a cell. Anything that we do to inhibit love flowing through our cells is a step in the direction of self-annihilation. And so I want to tap into that flow and be in that flow. Truth and perfect love. There's a, just quickly, there's a corresponding filter to Rachma that's in the frontal lobes of the brain in Aramaic. There's a second filter over the perceptual part of the mind called Kuba. The two filters together were called perfect love. 
And you remember they said perfect love casts out fear. This, again, mm-hmm. is a powerful psychological statement of truth. When Rockman and Kubler said, it doesn't matter what you're facing in your world, your mind can't produce a fear-based reality. It's not possible. And that means that you're always in touch with the highest levels of intelligence possible for a human being. No matter what's going on in your world, if you're aware that you want to keep those two filters set. So that was called perfect love in Aramaic. So I want to tap in and acknowledge truth and perfect love. And then I'm talking to now to the object of the worksheet, number one C, Mr. Bolger. Mr. Bolger, based on number three. So I'm going to do this, this goal setting. I'm going to set a goal toward him. Based on this goal that I'm dealing with of wanting to be be supported by you and taught by you, I'm going to structure a true loving, truly loving goal toward you and offer you this. So now, I don't know, maybe Mr. Bolger's dead and gone. It doesn't really matter. But in your yeah. mind, is there something that any time you think of him, you're willing to offer him? Um, and or if you happen to walk down the street and meet him on the street. Instead of the old energy that probably would have been claws out, what goal would you be willing to have toward him? This a smile. I will offer him a smile. Yeah. And notice when you do a smile what it does to your chemistry. Yeah. I get the original, they get the carbon copy. <laughs> That's why Yeshua taught have Rachma when you think of neighbor, and, and interestingly enough, in the Aramaic language, the word neighbor means anybody that you think about. Mm. It's not a physical word. It doesn't mean the guy down the block. The word neighbor literally means anybody that you think about, anybody mentally near to you as your neighbor. And, and if you choose to stay connected to love, you've given yourself the gift of maintaining your human life. Whatever anybody else is, the worst person in the world, if you were facing them, you want to maintain your human life. You do that. By maintaining Rachma, perfect love. Mm. And you're at your most intelligent, your most capable. 